0: Drive anywhere in this area, and you'll see that West Texas is in bloom. For miles in every direction, fields are overflowing with puffy, white bowls of cotton. Recent droughts have delayed this process in some areas, but in others, it's as full and pure as ever. But not for much longer. The crop is ripe, and soon it will be stripped from the fields and sent off for the next stage of its life. See, out here, farming is more than a lifestyle. It's a legacy. It's families for generations pouring out their souls in this space. Being a farmer is tough. It's gritty, difficult, hard work that's almost always uncertain. In some ways, farming today is harder than ever before. But recent advancements in technology and science are hoping to curb those challenges for the farmers our society relies on. I'd like to take you back to four years ago. A scientist and professor in Ohio is reading through a job description online. It's for the Chemical Engineering Chair in the College of Engineering at Texas Tech. And it's crazy, but she feels in her gut that this position was created for her. It's like the description was describing her. It wasn't just the field of study that she was already thriving in. This position was in an agriculture region that would take her research to the next level, or better yet, to the very top. And the day she accepted the position, it would be the beginning of a historic journey. For her, for this university. It's October 18th, 2022. University President Lawrence Skuvanek is standing at a podium before a room filled with people inside the Student Union building. Behind him, a large video wall displays in big red and black words, State of the University. People have showed up to listen to the president give these yearly remarks. Good
1: morning. So thank you for joining us today.
0: He'll cover things like enrollment, new faculty, recent growth within the university, and student success.
1: We must always keep at the forefront that we are here because of our students. More specifically, to educate and empower a diverse student body.
0: His presentation continues as he talks about the record years for both advancement and research. Another milestone was reached in August when the National
1: Science Foundation awarded Texas Tech the largest grant in our history.
0: That grant was given to create a facility on campus called CASPER. It stands for the Center for Advancing Sustainable and Distributed Fertilizer Production by Dr. Jerry Botte, sitting in her the office across chair, campus in a white leather office chair with the Casper logo printed on the headrest. Former chemical engineering chair and current director of Casper, Jerry Bate is streaming this event. She's listening to those words from the university president. Jerry has spent years formulating the plan that Lawrence Skuvenek just recognized in his speech. She built Casper to be a bridge connecting more than 40 of the most brilliant minds in their field to Lubbock, Texas. Today, we dig in to share how this work could be revolutionary in creating cheaper, cleaner, more sustainable fertilizer production. We talk about how expansive and complex the impact will be in this bonus episode of Fearless. We're calling it Level Up. The Casper grant, worth a total of 51 million dollars, has captured the attention of scientists, researchers, farmers, and state officials, who are about to hear from inside a room in the Maddox Engineering Research Center, or the MERC, which will soon be the home of Casper. One week after the state of the university address, Texas Tech welcomed Governor Greg Abbott to campus to celebrate Casper.
2: To be back. like your tie.
0: Emerging from the door behind him are Lawrence Scubinak and Jerry Bate. Thank
1: you all for being here. Be seated, please. Uh, We're very pleased to have you here today as we celebrate the uh, award of uh, a National Science Foundation Award that made possible the Center for Advancing Sustainable and Distributed Fertilizer Production.
0: Now before we get any deep in Casper, if you have not listened to episode two of this season, Earth, Wind and Water, do it. Then come back here, because I promise you it'll make more sense. Jerry is the brains behind it all. She's built a team of top researchers from Texas Tech and partner institutions, MIT, Case Western Reserve, Florida A and M, and Georgia Tech.
3: Today, we spend a lot of money and resources making this nitrogen-based fertilizer, and not only that, we spend at least seven times more trying to remove it from waste. So Casper is going to change all of that because we are going to use that nitrogen from waste to enable food production. One of the things that is important is the affordable and sustainable nitrogen-based fertilizer for U.S. farmers. As you pointed out, today, they spend over 21 billion dollars annually in cost of fertilizer. So Casper engineer System is going to stop that because we are going to deliver a fertilizer cost to the farmers that is affordable, sustainable and will not depend on these externalities. This is a fantastic opportunity to lead the world to change agricultural for generations to come. I think you get a sense of Dr. Boddy's
0: passion. Thank you, Jerry. Her journey developing Casper and discovering how to create a nitrogen circular economy started years ago. She's continued to cultivate the plan, made changes, trimmed the fat, sought out people who would make this project better, bolder, bigger. And when I say big, I mean $51 million big. $26 26 million dollars in the first 5 years with the chance for another 25 million after that. So needless to say, it requires a lot of staff both on campus and beyond.
2: Hello? Oh, hello. How are you doing? This is
4: YouTube, Roman.
0: So we called some of them. Thanks
4: for giving us a call back. You can me okay. uh,
0: we'll That's my uh, colleague, Alan Ramsey. Um, He's a writer man. in my office. Uh, over one the one last year, he has been two immersed two in two two the developing story three. that is Casper.
4: Trying to just get my bearings on what everybody is doing. I see you're the Thrust 3 lead on this. Um, we have
0: each spent months poring yeah. over the Casper I'll proposal, honest, having I'm conversations two with two scientists and researchers, and researchers trying to figure out what words like electrocatalysis and multivariable dynamic modeling mean. I know, right? Hoping me, to understand so I could explain what Casper is, what it will do, and who it will impact. And if you were to explain to someone who didn't know anything about Casper in one sentence what its purpose is, how would you how would you do that?
5: Let me take a stab at your one sentence. Yeah, and it is it is hard to do
2: effectively overall. Right, what we're doing in Casper is saying that we want to make a nitrogen circular economy. The idea, then, in very short, would be to move away from a linear production of fertilizers to kind of a more circular use of fertilizers.
5: Usually, I start by sort of explaining how we do things now, very briefly. Um, somebody manufactures fertilizer, often with non-natural products, and then they sell it to a farmer.
2: Farmers put fertilizer on their fields so the plants grow, but about half of the fertilizer ends up being run off into streams, and therefore it goes into streams and then it goes down into lakes and nitrogen and phosphorus excess in streams and lakes.
5: But Casper is also much more than just making fertilizer.
0: It's making a system
2: Oh, absolutely. I think I have to give all the credit here to Jerry,
0: you know. That's Yuri Roman. He's from MIT.
2: We can think about it from, uh, you know, from the national level, kind of like how to think about uh, reimagining agriculture and, you know, giving farmers like a little bit better control over the supply of fertilizers and, and how you deploy it and, and reducing the costs uh, for that, you know, to, to actually develop fertilizers that are perhaps... Uh, a little bit uh, cheaper and that you can have more control or it's not as centralized as it is right now.
0: Speaking with researchers from the four partner institutions, it was really important for us in sharing this for story. Jerry has spent years handpicking the most qualified, intelligent, pioneering researchers in their field. And the team that she's put together well, it's nothing short of next level. I mean, this,
3: this is the all-star cast. And I think the energy that you are seeing from the people who you have been interviewing, it tells you why we had the right people on board. Another demonstration of when you had the right partners, they bring the best to the team. And so we, we were very excited. We put this planning grant together and we won it. She says that she remembers getting the call
0: that they had received that planning grant back in 2018. It sent Casper in motion,
3: gave it all the initial funding it needed to get it off the ground. Anyway, so she's in the airport. And I come out of my stop in the airport in London, Heathrow Airport, and I turn on my Wi-Fi for the first time after all that long trip. And I say, oh my God, (laughs) we had the planning grant. Among the first people added was Roger
0: French from Case Western Reserve. It's located in Cleveland. So a bit of a different landscape from West Texas. But as Roger explains it, the need for this kind of research has become imperative over the last few decades.
2: And Toledo has a watershed and the runoff in in the northern Ohio watershed into Lake Erie leads to a lot of uh, nitrogen, phosphorus in Lake Erie, and then in the summertime, usually in the August, we can get harmful algal blooms that shut down all the drinking water for the city of Toledo.
5: Contaminated because of this algae bloom in Lake Erie, so large it can be seen from space. The bloom, turning the lake a shade of green, is caused by runoff from farms and livestock pens,
1: and can produce toxins called microcystins...
0: Eight years ago, the city of Toledo went days without water. Nearly half a million people were impacted. The city draws drinking water from Lake Erie, and the polluted water threatened that basic necessity. There were lines at grocery stores with hundreds, even thousands of people trying to get access to bottled water. It was a mess.
2: And so Amy Harper is another person who's an environmental lawyer at Texas Tech. And she's part of this work right here, where what we need to do is think about what are the federal environmental laws, what are the state laws.
5: My name is Amy Hardberger. I'm a professor at Texas Tech Law School. And I'm a Amy
0: professor. is also the director of the Center for Law and Policy.
5: So the first thing I did, for example, was I created a spreadsheet that had a section for CAFOs and a section for wastewater treatment plants.
0: When she says CAFOs, it stands for Concentrated Animal Feeding Operations. This is an intersection for Roger and Amy. CAFOs are one of the things creating issues that contribute to the watershed pollution that Roger talked about.
5: And the idea is we need to see what, if any, laws apply to these people. So if I'm a transporter of waste and I'm taking it to a fertilizer manufacturing plant, what permit do I need? So it's as simple as that.
0: Kaylee Millerick is another part of this water equation. She's a civil, environmental, and construction engineer at Texas Tech. Wastewater treatment plants, when they're done treating their water, they have to dispose of their water. And the water typically goes into a surface water body.
5: And there's a permit required for doing that.
0: The way she tells it, she got a call from Jerry a couple years ago, saying that their team was lacking in a water engineer, and asked Kaylee to be part of this team. It was different than anything she was used to, but she happily obliged. I am an assistant professor without tenure
5: and the majority of my projects involve me working very closely with one other person. Um and the last that I looked on the CAS for Slack channel, there were forty-seven names on there and I think there was even more of just people who hadn't accepted the invitation yet. And so to be able to work with that many people is absolutely astonishing. There's people on the project, me and others that, you know, we are I think designated translators and Any project like that needs that. Like I can't I can't do her job, she can't do my job. That's why a good team is possible.
2: Many times scientists and engineers just want to work in the lab. And in our group actually we spend our time like setting things outdoors in
0: the real world. So yeah. Casper is responsible for bringing a lot of people together from a lot of different regions across the country, from different backgrounds of research. That's what taking an idea to the next level requires. Jerry says that she feels a sense of responsibility with Casper, with all of her research. She knows that she has the ability to create change.
3: She takes that really seriously. That's how it feels, and that's what I feel is exciting. And and, and, and I I, I wanna tell you this, I don't know if I ever said this, but, I'm first generation. So therefore, the point that I'm making is, and I'm still explaining to my mother. <laughs> she calls me Jera. That's how I was growing up since I was a little kid. And she said, Jera. She speaks Spanish, she I speak English. Uh, Why are you still studying? Come on, how many other PhDs are you going to get? But she does it. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it's hard for a, somebody who has parents, you're the first generation, to explain uh, why you never stop studying. I laugh when she tells me this, but the truth is I couldn't be more
0: relieved that Jerry will in fact never stop studying, that she's doing her civic duty, her humanly responsibility. What I hope you can see here is that there's generational, long-term societal change at work.
3: I think is the good for generations to come. I mean, that transcends any other aspect I could think of. We, we just had an undergraduate student, he just joined Texas Tech, and he immediately learned about Casper and said, I really need to get involved. So that's the type of power that something like this brings for generations to come. The, 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 the generations today are looking for opportunities like this, that when they become engineers, they're being responsible and doing things that are resilient, sustainable, and truly circular to impact society generations to come.
0: Forty miles north on I-27, a thick layer of loose dust coats the top of Leighton Schur's boots. As he walks through his expansive field of knee-high cotton, the sun beams overhead, casting a long shadow that follows him, rippling over the blooming crop. His blue jeans are light tan and brown in places, from kneeling in dirt or tending to his cattle. He's a fourth-generation farmer. In fact, the field he's farming today is the same one that his father taught him to work when he was just a boy.
4: You know, there's, i got some pretty good memories of you know coming home from school and jumping on a tractor with dad and thought that was the coolest thing ever.
0: He graduated from Plainview High School in 2013, then attended Texas Tech with ambitions of becoming a cattle buyer. He also has a hidden talent that he thought he'd put to good use one day.
4: And so yeah,
0: I went down And he did that for a little bit. But the rich soil of these fields courses through his veins. It's made its home in his spirit.
4: And then you've seen what your dad's done, your granddad's done, and you know, even your great-granddad might have done it as well. And it just kind of has this weird pull on you, and it's really hard to get out of it. And so you don't really want to either.
0: Layton is what I would call an entrepreneur. He's big ag. That's a term he taught me. With cattle and about 3,000 acres of cotton, wheat, and milo. He also tends to about 25 different fruits and vegetables that grow in greenhouses and fields in his backyard. He and his wife, Jessie, sell those veggies at their pop-up grocery store in downtown Plainview called Frontier Grocery. It has beets, lettuce, the sweetest carrots that I've ever tasted, peppers and beef. Lots and lots of beef. A lot of crops require a lot of fertilizer. Layton says it's generally about 125 pounds of fertilizer per acre. So for him, that's a total of around 375,000 pounds of nitrogen fertilizer that he uses in his fields.
4: The way we're fertilizing now really kind of isn't natural. You know, we've, we've kind of robbed the nutrients out and every year we have to replace those nutrients somehow.
0: He's not part of the Casper team. But he's the real-life application. And I want to be clear that while these two people have never met, Leighton is Jerry's greatest inspiration. He represents a group of people that she started doing this work for all those years ago. Before he even took over his own fields, she was plotting, discovering a way that she could change his future.
3: I would say our promise to the end user, our farmers, is to have a price of fertilizer that is, Extremely competitive and much lower than any price they have. So because of that, that's the inspiration for them to participate in this.
0: Leighton is young. He's witnessed the way that technology has changed this industry. And he chases after the next measure that will make farming better. It might just be the fertilizer that Casper will produce. He believes in this business and in these people. He advocates for farmers, their process, their mental health. He says the farming world is smaller than you think, and that's what he loves about it.
4: it it's not necessarily like the day-to-day monotony, you know, it, it's not that. It's it's. It's like when you go out and you check a calf and you reach down and you tag him and you watch him all the way through the weaning. And if you're fortunate enough like us, we watch them all the way, you know, till they come to your plate. And that's that's something special about that. You know, you you watch that calf's whole life and made sure he had a good life and vaccinated him and kept him healthy. Um, you fed him. You know, at the end of the day that's that's the good stuff, you know, when you when you watch a cotton field but from just germination when it pops out of the ground with two leaves on it, you're like, oh man, is it gonna make it? We're gonna miss this hailstorm?" you know? Farmers, especially everywhere, is struggling with a lot of mental health, you know? And, and it's just because of stress of not only, you know, is price gonna drop a limit today? Or is, uh, you know, your, your employee gonna quit you the next day? Or, you know, you got a hedge on the line that doesn't work out? Or, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on that it, it's a struggle. That struggle is also what pulls a family together and keeps you going the next day. And that's, that's cool stuff too, you know, and, and uh, that's what you enjoy.
0: Jerry says that this fertilizer is already being produced in labs today. Over the next year, they'll begin testing it in crops. Jerry hopes that in year four or five of Casper, they'll have a product available to farmers. If you want to learn more about Casper, you can find information linked in this episode description. Fearless is produced by the Texas Tech Office of Communications and Marketing. It's written and hosted by me, Taylor Peters, and co-produced by Allison Hirth. Thomas Boyd is our audio engineer, and he edits this podcast. Fearless is a Texas Tech production. From here, it's possible. Hey, guys, it's Taylor. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Fearless. If you liked it, make sure to like, review, and subscribe. And stay tuned. We are already working on the next season of Fearless.